What's going on, family? This is your boy DJ Preach, the founder of the Life Show Radio. And I see that you're doing great things right now by keeping it locked here on the MTMV Sports Podcast. Yeah, I better be talking about the Carolina Panthers. Let's go. It looks something like this. This time it ain't a game, yeah. MJ with the six rings, yeah. Y'all better switch out your plays, yeah. On five with the little flame, yeah. This time it ain't a game, yeah. LeBron James coming through the lane, yeah. Y'all better switch out your plays, yeah. On five with the little flame, yeah. This time it ain't a game, yeah. I'm MJ with the six rings. Let's hop into it, man. Look, hey everybody, if you're if you're out there, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for joining us. We truly appreciate you. Uh, we are on live with Ross Jackson of Locked On Sports. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, Locked On Sports, Locked On Saints podcast, man. Um, always awesome to have him um, on the uh, on the podcast. He's also the um, editor over at Canal Street Chronicles. Man, just like blessed to have him here. And also, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. One of my personal mentors, one of my personal favorites, man. Whenever I I listen to him, um, I'm always gathering some notes, trying to figure out how to run shows, man. He's a phenomenal podcast host. He's also a phenomenal writer. Um, he's also just you know phenomenal dude, man. So thankful to have him here with us today. How you doing, bro? Oh man, I appreciate that. That's a real nice intro, man. And you know, it's just a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you, to be able to chop it up with you every time that we do, whether it's by phone or by podcast. Like I'm always excited about it, man. I'm, uh, it's it's a pleasure to be here with you. I appreciate you having me on. It means a lot. All right, man. So look, let's let's hop in, man. We we've been seeing some really cool stuff happening uh, with the New Orleans Saints. Um, I mean, just well, first off, they signed Elvin Kamara. Right. Let's start there before, before we <laughs> hop into the bad news that we have to talk about at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, sure. let's talk about some good news. They signed Elvin Kamara. We've been waiting on that news all, you know, all off season long. Right. Like we've been kind of waiting to see how the drama will play right. out. It's played out. He has the contract now. Do you think it was a smart investment for them to make that type of long term investment in a guy like Elvin Kamara? Um, I think it was smart to invest in Alvin Kamara, but the thing we have to realize is that it's not a long-term investment. This is, this is called a five-year contract, but with $34.33 million guaranteed, they're out from under that within the first three years of the extension. Mm. So really, when you look at it in terms of what the extension might be, the extension is probably like a three-year extension. Now, if he continues to produce and he continues to play at the level that he plays, then he'll see that fourth and fifth years of the contract. Let me see if I can remember all this off the top of my head. So it's a it, $75 million total. He's already around like $2.2 million in terms of what the fourth year of his rookie deal is. $15 million was guaranteed. And then his base salary this year goes up about $833,000, somewhere around there. So it gets him pretty close to around $4 million because of that. Next year, that salary goes to $2 million. Mm. The year after that, it goes to $5 million. And in the year after that, it goes to $9.4 million. So before it ever gets to that double digit per year average, they're out from under it already because they paid 15 and a half up front with the, I'm sorry, 15 up front with the, with the signing bonus, which is spread out over the five years. So it's only $3 million per year because of that. And then you add on all the base salaries to that, the couple of roster bonuses, $6 million here, $1 million there. That's, only, that's all that's guaranteed for injury. After that, they're out from under all the guaranteed money. It's nominal after that once you get into the 2003, 2023 area, once you get past that. So 2024, 2025, those are like the big cap hit years, $10.5 million, $22.4 million. I, you won't see that. 
you won't see that. <laughs> and that's the thing that's like, that's so genius about the way that the Saints continue to do this is that they'll sign you to a five-year, $75 million deal, sure, if that's what you want, but then they're going to push everything toward the back, get out from under all the guarantees pretty early, and in that way they can reevaluate if you get that money at a later time. And I guarantee that if they decide that they want to pay $10.2 million from 2024 and then move forward, that you'll see another extension or a restructure that will add some years to his contract to push all that back. And they'll convert probably as early as 2023 a portion of that $9.4 million will probably get converted to a signing bonus. And then they'll spread that out over several years so that his salary cap numbers drop again at the time that you see all of the potential revenue increase with new TV deals, 17 game season, all the other stuff that's going on. So they didn't really make a long-term investment with him. They made a three-year commitment to him essentially. Uh, but after that, it's all about how he's performing. So I think they were really smart the way that they built it. Well, I mean, if you if you really pay attention to the the thanks withetry right of the salary cap, they always mm-hmm. do a phenomenal job of kind of working out deals in a way that's advantageous for them, right? Um, and also yep. kind of like pushing things back. At some point, do you feel like it's all gonna like drop down on them, and or do they just keep pushing that wheel down down the road? When, when would it <laughs> drop down? You know what I mean? Like, there's no there's no tomorrow. There's no tomorrow. Like the NFL isn't going to all of a sudden say like, hey, bro, you got to pay your tab before you get out of here. Like they're just going to keep pushing. They're just going to keep pushing. And then eventually when the salary cap skyrockets, as we all expect, we know next year, the sky, excuse me, the salary cap is going to take a bit of a plummet. It's probably going to be around $175 million. At least that's the minimum that it can be. That was the assumed minimum without any fans in the stands for any team at any point throughout the season. That's what the assumed minimum was going to be. So now you've already seen fans in the stands for the first week. You saw fans in the stands last night for Thursday Night Football. You'll see fans in the stands moving forward. So all of that adds on top of, plus the new revenue streams, they're simulcasting Monday Night Football, I believe, on ABC as well. So that's a new TV deal. They have one of those playoff games that's going to be playing and simulcasting on Nickelodeon. That's a new TV deal. So you see all of these other like TV deals that are coming through throughout the season. You see people in the stands, which was not expected, all of that money is kind of like gravitas on top of the, or let me say, let me just say Lanyap. That's the way I would say it. Lanyap on top of the $175 million minimum that was set for next year's salary. So um, it can't catch up with them. That's the thing that I don't think people understand for the most part. Cause like they look at the saints they're like, Oh, well, it's all going to come crashing down eventually. When, when, <laughs> because anytime that they're about to come up on it, they just extend dudes again and then kick it further down the road. It doesn't, it doesn't make much of a difference. And they were about to come out of it this se- next season. They would have mm-hmm. come out of it with just a $13.5 million saving on Drew Brees. They would have taken about a $22 million hit, and that would have been it. And originally, next season was the season that we were going to see that skyrocket in revenue for the NFL. We we're going to mm-hmm. see that salary cap shoot up. So $22 million would have been nominal in reference to what was about to happen. And so now, you know, they'll – come out from under that a little bit different. And then they'll, they'll just continue to move forward. They'll just continue to do what they're doing. Remember the night after they did the extension for Alvin Kamara, they also extended to Mario Davis. Yeah. Three years, 28. That's our next thing, man. That, that's our next point. We're going to talk three about years, that. 27. Mm-hmm. So why do you think it was critical for them to lock up Demario Davis? Yeah. I mean, you look at the way that this defense turned around, the defense started to really turn around in 2017 with that draft class. Marcus Williams, uh, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Alex Anzalone, like they, they really started to turn around with that draft class as well as, you know, Alvin Kamara came in over on the offensive side as well. But then they added DeMario Davis ahead of the 2018 season on a three-year deal. 
And he has just been huge for that team, just in terms of veteran experience, understanding, communication. That was something that this team hadn't really had for the most part because it was very young. With the exception of Cam Jordan, this is a very young team. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, David Onyemata, uh, Marcus Davenport now. And you look at those linebackers, you look at the secondary at that time, which was Von Bell, Ken Crawley, Eli Apple, some configuration of 2017-2018. Much better position now, but <laughs> they're all young. You know, the, the only – the only veteran presence that they really had was, was Cam Jordan. Now you have a veteran presence at all three levels. Cam Jordan, they brought back Malcolm Jenkins. They have Janoris Jenkins who they signed off of waivers late last season and got to come back this year or signed to come back this year. And then you add Demario Davis into that second level with the linebackers, which needed the most improvement, you know, cause it wasn't that long ago that we were looking at, you know, Jolon Dunbar and Danelle Ellerby and, you know, as yeah, the starting yeah, yeah. linebackers. Oh Yeah. You know, Michael Motti, you know, they needed a boost there. And Demario Davis gave them that. He did, man. Um, I was I was thinking we have Kamara signed now. Right now we have mm-hmm. Demario Davis signed. But there's two big signings that we still are, are. And actually almost three, maybe. I don't know how Trey Hendrickson after that, you know, freaking phenomenal day he had the other day. Right. So um, I'm thinking right in the future, we have to sign these guys from that great draft class that you just mentioned. How does signing Kamara, how does signing Davis impact us, our ability to sign a, a re-sign a Lattimore, re-sign a Ramchak? Uh, so if you look at the way that Alvin Kamara's contract breaks down, because the biggest question about re-signing those other guys is next year, 2021, the drop in salary cap. You look at on this five-year, $75 million extension, Alvin Kamara's base salary next year is just – base salary plus signing bonus is around $6 million. That's it. That's all it is. It's a base salary of about $2 million. And then you have the $3 million that goes on top because of the signing bonus. So it's around $5 million, $6 million for next year. I'm sure that there's other nuances and everything that are going to be included in that little things like roster bonuses, workout bonuses, stuff like that. But um, that's not a big hit in terms of what the Saints are taking on for next season. And the other part about it is that extending Marshall Lattimore, extending Ryan Ramchek before next season, so in the offseason before next season, will drop their salary cap hit. Because they're on fifth-year options, which means right now their salary cap hit for their cap hit for next season is all about the average of the five, you know, five or ten top players at their at their position. Yeah. So because of that, they're getting paid pretty handsomely. But the Saints will be able to take that salary cap hit and drop the base salary and then give them a big signing bonus over the beginning that puts them right around where they were going to get paid anyway. You could pay them a $2 million base salary and then a $15 million cap hit. For mm-hmm. them in that moment, they're still getting $17 million that year. But for the Saints, it cost them five the first year instead of 17. So mm-hmm. it, there are ways to structure the contracts to make sure that they can get them extended, drop the cap hit for next season, still give them the money that they were expecting to get, but the cash comes out of their accounting over the course of several years as opposed to just one year. So they'll be able to drop their salary cap hit by extending them. And I think that that's exactly what you're going to see. It's going to be some of the other guys, the Sheldon Rankins, um, Marcus Williams, Alex Anzalone. It's going to be those who are on expiring deals that may not get the call back. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that are, are going to be the most sort of problematic to handle. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them get one of those three guys back Marcus Williams is tough for me. I like Marcus Williams. I'm a fan of Marcus Williams. I think Marcus Williams is an elite safety in terms of his coverage ability in the NFL. But because of that, 
he's going to get paid a lot of money. Kevin Byard, uh, Earl Thomas, uh, Landon Collins, really more of a box guy at this point in his career, but still all those guys got paid big time. Uh, and I think that you'll see that Buda Baker, who you know, really is a box safety, he got paid. So I think that Marcus Williams falls in line with those safeties that are going to get a big cut next year or, or with their next contract. And so I don't know that he's able to stick around in New Orleans, not because they don't want him, not for any lack of production, but because he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid somewhere in the NFL. And it's also a loaded safety class coming into the draft next year, though. Got it. So you think they may um, move towards potential as opposed to, you know, his, well, I want to say productivity, but it's been, it's been pretty, he's been pretty productive, right? He, he just got to pick. Yeah. I mean, day. he's one of the, yeah, he's one of the more productive safeties since he came into the league. You know, I think, I believe he has the most interceptions at his position since he came into the NFL in 2017 and stuff. And so, or maybe he's in the top five or something like that. Like he's up there. Um, in terms of interceptions. Now it's the, you know, it's the tackling and everything. That's always been a conversation with him. Even he's acknowledged that coach Payton acknowledged that that's been the big thing, but in terms of his ability as a deep safety, which the saints were trying to figure out with guys like Jairus bird in the past, they're in a much better situation with Marcus Williams back there. But the issue is, is that they may not have the choice, but to go to another new safety as opposed to retaining him based upon what his contract might look like. But we've also seen, Demario Davis took a $9 million average per year contract to stay in New Orleans. Um, David Onyemata took a small, like a much, much lesser contract than he would have gotten out on the market to stay in New Orleans. I think you might continue to see that as they move forward too, because players are interested in staying with this team. Look, they, they did a culture rebuild, right? At some point, if you remember that was, we had a big, bad culture, I think it was around the junior galette years where we had like a possibly a bad culture. <laughs> in the, that, dude in the is my, that dude is my barometer from when Saints <laughs> Twitter has gone too far. Like when junior galette starts chiming in, sack man lives. I'm like, all right, we've gone too far. Everybody put down your phones. Y'all stop. <laughs> Yo, the other day he was out, he was like, um, I'm back in New Orleans. And people responding to that troll is that that was all I needed. Right? That was all I needed. That 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 was enough for me. That's my one of my favorite my favorite stories from Cat Terrell over at the Athletic was like I reached out to a source about whether or not the signing was happening and I was simply told no. <laughs> <laughs> nah man. Deal. We don't want nothing to do with that dude right now. Um anyway, <laughs> so um okay, let's let's talk about this, man. We, I, I, I tried to delay the, the tough part. And oh, shout out, by the way, um, to Nikki um, in, in, uh, in the chat. Love you, Nikki. Um, JT is our, he's there. They're going back and forth right now in the chat about the Patriots and, and the Saints. Um, so shout out to y'all. I <laughs> appreciate y'all being here. Um, you know, it's just like Patriots suck and, you know, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, we're here with Ross Jackson, man. Love, love to have him on the show all the time. We have to talk about this because it's, it's, current and it's bad but we need to address it right michael thomas right now there's a possibility that he misses this week i really think he does but he's you know kind of pushing that thing out a little bit um let's just say the saints have to go on for for an extended period of time without him and i know you addressed this on your phenomenal podcast locked on saints right where you're the host there um but i'm gonna bring the information here i want to know um what do you expect to see um from the saints if they do have to go a significant period of time without michael thomas the good thing is that they have the formula already. You know, they, they did it against Seattle last year. They did it against Tampa Bay last week. The formula, and, and, and let, me, let me be clear, uh, of course, Michael Thomas was a part of both of those games. 
uh, and he was a factor in the Seattle game, five catches, 54 yards and a touchdown. But in that game against Seattle, one catch, seven yards for Jared Cook. I don't think you ever see that stat line from Jared Cook this season. Not with the way that he and Drew Brees are, are, are connecting, the way that they connected at the end of last season. I think more than likely, Jared Cook is the biggest benefactor benefactor mm-hmm. of Michael Thomas being out. He'll be the guy that I, I imagine that this offense will lean on. But they've also got Emmanuel Sanders. They've got uh, Traquan Smith, who has his games. And I think when he's thrust into action and when he's being relied upon, we'll see what he's able to do here. Um, and you have Coach Payton which I think is one of the biggest things. Coach Payton had to figure out a way to go from his future Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Brees, to guy who hadn't taken a, snap, a starting NFL snap in five seasons, four seasons, whatever it was, and Teddy Bridgewater. And they went 5-0 and oh in that circumstance. Without Michael Thomas, Sean Payton has the ability here to get creative about his offense. I mentioned all of the weapons that he has just in the receiving core, but I didn't even mention Alvin Kamara. Didn't mention Ty, Ty Montgomery, who is, who is a part of this team. Um, Latavius Murray, who they really leaned on in the run game early last week. I love their game plan with him last week, and I hope that they continue to replicate it. All of that is still very much in Sean Payton's pocket. That he gets to, Those are all still thing, people that he gets to produce with. And this time he's got Drew Brees along with him. You know what I mean? So I am not... I am very confident in the Saints without Michael Thomas. I think that they can win without Michael Thomas. I think a couple of these games coming up will be challenging. Uh, but I do think that it's a good, it would be a good thing for the Saints to find a way to produce, to be threatening, and to be explosive without Michael Thomas and then add him in again whenever it is that he's ready to go. And I think that that would help build and really kind of assuage some of the, the, the concerns that were had about the Saints last year to where it was like, who is the other wide receiver, particularly in, in the wide receiver room? Who is the other person? Ted Ginn Jr. catching 30, 25 catches, or Trick on Smith catching 25 catches. You know, you had over 100 receptions between wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Um, now, all of a sudden, you get to develop a chemistry with all the guys behind Michael Thomas and then add Michael Thomas into the fold, which I think will benefit this team moving forward we still saw some things in week one to where like chemistry wasn't necessarily there between Drew Brees and Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders had one route to where he ran. Uh, it was early in the game. It was on a third down. He ran a slant while um, Jerry cook went out to the flat. It was a slant flat concept. And um, it, Emmanuel Sanders was open. He would have had the first down on catch, but Drew Brees went to Jerry cook because that's who he's more comfortable with right now. Mm. And so you're going to see all of that start to like now out of necessity they'll start to work their way through that. And you'll start to see them get more comfortable with some of these other options behind Michael Thomas at the wide receiver position, which I think is definitely going to help them out. So I think that that's a big part of it. And then I mentioned them having the blueprint, having the formula already. Um, in the games that they win where they have a lack of production, lack of production from, uh, from Michael Thomas, it's a defense and it's a special teams. And we saw defense and special teams absolutely win this game last week for the Saints, or at least be a big part of winning this game last week in this, uh, for the Saints against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I want to ask you a question. So who takes it, in, in your opinion, right, just based on what you've been seeing from them personality-wise, mm-hmm. 
who takes it upon mm-hmm. themselves to say, you know, because Michael Thomas is more than just our, you know, receptions leader. He's like the leader, right? He's one of the leaders on the team. Right. So who takes it upon himself in that wide receiver room to say, it's on me this week, right? I'll, I'll be the leader. I'll take on that mantle. I'll, I'll step up. Uh, it's it's got to be Emmanuel Sanders. It's got to be Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, the guy's a, a veteran. He's been to several Super Bowls with several different teams. Uh, 33 years old. He's a leader of that locker room. Everyone in the locker room that we've talked to, around Emmanuel Sanders has referred to Emmanuel Sanders as a like a stand-up guy and a, a mentor a teacher and like a vet's vet that's who he is and so it would it would be Emmanuel Sanders it will be that guy to say I'm the one that's got to step up and lead this week and I it wouldn't you know that I, I think that that's one of the things that's great about imagine losing Michael Thomas last year where your number two guy, in that case, the guy that would have had to step up was Tegan Jr. No shade to Tegan Jr., but like he just he wasn't there last year in terms of what they needed. You know what I mean? And so I think that the Saints are in a much better position here with Emmanuel Sanders, somebody that doesn't have a limited role in the offense. He's somebody that can, you know, get production short, intermediate, deep areas of the field. He can run any route in the in, in the book. He can he knows all the combinations. You see a guy like Benny Fowler, who I imagine if the Saints don't sign anybody, uh, I imagine will get promoted up from the practice squad again for this week and added to the active roster. He and Benny Fowler played together with the Denver Broncos. They know how to work together. They work out together. Emmanuel Sanders is the whole damn reason that Benny Fowler's on the roster because Emmanuel Sanders brought him to a workout that he was doing privately with Drew Brees in Denver. Drew Brees liked him and called the Saints and said, yo, get this guy in the training camp squad and everything. And so, like, you know, seeing those two guys work together, seeing Traquan Smith rise to the occasion, all of that would have to happen with the leadership, I would imagine, of Emmanuel Sanders. Awesome, man. Okay, it's, it's a long race ahead. We know it. It's going mm-hmm. to be a long season. Um, preferably, we get through the whole thing. I believe that we will. But – the Saints come out the gate one game up on everybody in the division because of what happened last week. What does that mean? Like, what does that mean for, for them? What does that mean for kind of, you know, them going forward? Because we, I've heard you talk about this on your podcast and, and we all know that Saints fans, we're not cool. We're not cool, but we're just not used to hot starts. So this seems like somewhat of right. a hot start, right? What do you think this means for the Saints going forward? Yeah. I mean, I think it just sets up the precedent in terms of like what this team wants to be and what this team is going into this season. And now they need to figure out a way to maintain it. I think that that's the thing that like changes the rhythm in terms of what this team has done in the past. We've seen this team get hot. We've seen them start off slow and then get hot 2017, 2018, even 2019 last year, they won that opening game, lost the second game. And then they went on a, went on a little bit of a, a run up, up until they came out of the bye week. Um, I think for the saints, this gives them an opportunity to hold momentum, which is something that they've done very well. They have, you know, some challenges early on in the season, but the early portion of this, of the schedule for the saints is far more favorable than the, the three game road trip followed up by Kansas city coming to town, followed up by Minnesota coming to town on Christmas day and then getting into the end of the, you know, the latter half of the, the, uh, the, the schedule there, the latter half of the schedule when they're trying to make a playoff push, is challenging. So the more sort of capital that they grant themselves here early on in the season, the better off their chances when they get to later on in the season. Now, the thing about it is that, you know, we, the, the NFL has added the additional playoff spot per conference. And so that opens up the door for a, a seventh team in each conference to go to the playoffs. And so even, you know, that means that teams that are nine and seven can get into the playoffs this year, 
just like they have in most years, but now they have an increased opportunity to do it. So even if something were to happen and the Saints were to stumble, there's still a way for them to win enough games to get into the playoffs because that margin is now lower than it once was, right? But opening up with a division win, which could be a tie-breaking conversation later on down the line, I think is big. You also have Tampa Bay going up against another divisional opponent this week, and then you have Atlanta going up against the Cowboys this week. And from what we saw from Atlanta's defense – against the Seattle Seahawks to open up Cowboys have a ton of firepower with that very talented wide receiver room. And so I, I don't, you know, the saints could potentially keep a one team, you know, should, if they can win uh, Monday night against the Raiders, that would give them a two game lead on two teams and a one game lead that they'd retain over one of the other teams. Cause two of them will play against one another. So this is one of the things. And then if they lose the game, then at worst they're tied for first place. And then they still hold control because they wouldn't have lost the game to a conference uh, team nor a division team, which is good because they're playing against an AFC opponent here coming up next in Las Vegas. So it just in terms of the way that the schedule is laid out here, it just gives them that little bit of headway and that little bit of sort of wiggle room and forgiveness that they didn't have late last season because they lost early to a divisional opponent. I'm sorry, uh, a conference opponent in the Rams. And then they lost to a divisional opponent in the Atlanta Falcons. Had they not had that issue, either one of those issues, it would have been a big deal for them later on down the year, even with dropping that game to San Francisco in week 14. So I have um, two challenge questions, right? Like the, the theme of the question mm-hmm. is challenge. Um, what, do you, mm-hmm. what do you see as their biggest challenge this week going up against the uh, Raiders? Uh, probably the biggest challenge is going to be Josh Jacobs. Look, listen, listen here. <laughs> um, this is – this is a same team that hasn't allowed a 100 yard rusher since Samaji Piran, that great Washington game, that big time comeback that they had back in 2017. Josh Jacobs is probably the biggest threat to that, that they faced since mm-hmm. Dalvin cook in the wild card game. And before that Lord knows, right. They haven't faced a threat like Dalvin cook and hadn't faced a threat like, uh, well, maybe the first time. Well, no, cause Dalvin cook wasn't even in the game the first time. So Josh Jacobs to me is incredibly talented. Um, and that's a team that wants to run the ball because we talk a lot about Drew Brees not throwing the ball down the field. Neither does Derek Carr. Derek Carr had the fewest air yards last season for any quarterback over the certain threshold of attempts. Uh, last week, he completed 22 passes. 20 of them came within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage mm. or behind the line of scrimmage even on a couple of screen passes, swing passes, things like that. And so I think that the biggest challenge for them is just going to be holding their own and continuing to be, they've been a top 10, top five run defense over the last three seasons, 2017, they were top 10, 2018, 2019, they were top five. And so, and in one of those, they were top three. And so ideally returning literally just about the exact same defensive line as last year and a more athletic second level with Alex Anzalone back with Zach Bond getting added or with Cade Nellis getting added. If they ever play in a base defense ever again, we saw them play, three plays last week from four, three, everything else is from nickel and dime, but even at an average weight of 241 pounds across the dime set, they still allowed less than three yards per carry against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, Oh, oh, I almost said Oakland Las Vegas has a, uh, has a much better offensive line and they have a much more talented running back. That is a lead back. And it's a bell cow Mm. in, uh, in Josh, uh, in Josh Jacobs. So, I think that that is going to be the biggest challenge for them going up against the Las Vegas Raiders is can they penetrate through that offensive line? Can they disrupt the quarterback and can they more, more than anything else limit Josh Jacobs? 
And you've been um, doing the, the All-22 studies, and you've been really studying them on film. Um, what makes them so good against the run? Uh, the Saints? Um, I, I think that what it is is that they have nothing but tacklers on this team. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember who it was I was talking to, but I, I talked to somebody not too long ago. Now, oh, it was, it was Andrew Lopez, the ESPN radio. We were talking about it. Uh, we were talking about it yesterday. Um, we were talking about how this team has developed around it or along the defense about 11 out of 11 starters <laughs> that can all tackle, uh, which you don't usually see. Like secondary, you usually take a hit in terms of your tackling ability. The only one, let me say 10 out of 11, because again, we've already talked about Mar- Marcus Williams having the, the issues. Um, but they also get him 12 yards away from the line of scrimmage for most, for most of the time, if, and then deeper after the snap. So you look at the corners that can tackle Janoris Jenkins, Marshall Lattimore, the, the nickel safety or the nickel corner or nickel safety, depending upon who's in PJ Williams and uh, CD Deuce or CJ Gardner Johnson. They're both great tacklers. The linebackers are efficient tacklers. Malcolm Jenkins, an efficient tackler. All of their defensive linemen are efficient tacklers. If you can't tackle when you're somebody that's expected to play near the line of scrimmage, you're not, you're not on that team. You know, it's kind of like the way that the Saints do with their wide receivers. You can go out there and you can make all the plays that you want in training camp. You can be the Emmanuel Butler training camp darling that goes out there and makes a ton of catches at the X. But if you can't block and you can't play special teams like uh, Marquez Callaway can, then you're not making the team. That's why Marquez Callaway made the roster and Emmanuel Butler is out there looking for it because one of them contributes as a blocker. One of them contributes in special teams, does dirty work. The other one does the flashy stuff that they've already got elsewhere, wherever they need it. So over on the defensive side, it's not just about can you cover. It's not just about can you rush the passer. It's also about if you get there, can you limit the run? And can you limit the run after catch when it comes to uh, the secondary? Because 2014, 15, 16, run after catch for receivers that are playing against the Saints was a given. Mm. Now not so much. And that was a huge part of their game last week, and that would be a huge part of their game this week too, is Jared Carr – I'm sorry, excuse me, Derek Carr wants to complete his passes – within the sticks and then let the receivers do the work after that. So if they can tackle at the catch point, just like if they could tackle at the line of scrimmage and limit the run run game as well, it puts them in a much better position. And the other thing that will help them with that, honestly, the other thing that's helped them with that is that they played in the lead. The offense has put them in the lead in most mm-hmm. scenarios. And so the opposing offense has to throw. Yeah. They have been playing with a pretty, pretty good lead. They're going to be playing a few different teams coming up. You said it's a, it's a um, I guess, a less challenging part of their schedule in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So we have the Raiders. We talked about that. Um, you have the Packers, the Lions, Chargers, Panthers, and Bears, right? Um, amongst those games, because those are coming after this Raiders game, where do you see them facing their biggest challenge and why? Oh, week three immediately with the Packers. Um, that offense just looked phenomenal up against a, a pretty good defense uh, with the, the Minnesota Vikings. They were without Danelle Hunter, and they have two young corners that Aaron Rodgers absolutely abused the entire game, and, and Devontae Adams, for that matter. Uh, and so it is worth factoring that in. But if those guys get a rhythm, considering that they also take on the Lions next week, they should get in a rhythm. Uh, and with them getting in a rhythm, again, that's, that's more youth in the secondary there in Detroit. They're going to bring that with them to take on the Saints week three. And I think that that's going to be the biggest challenge for the Saints. And that's a very good defense there as well. Um, and so I think that that's probably going to be the earliest, biggest challenge that the Saints will face uh, ahead of the bye week before the latter half of the schedule gets more challenging. Uh, all the other games around them, the Chargers dealing with a lot of injury, um, 
the 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 lions are you know they're still developing um patricia's really trying to get that defense going but it's going to take a little bit more time and it's going to take them getting settled uh the bears (laughs) the bears the bears uh and that's like the bears are such a question mark because they they live and die with their quarterback play and unfortunately the quarterback play is just massively inconsistent Mm. and so you figure you get a massively inconsistent quarterback and then an opportunistic defense that he has to line up against, they're going to take advantage of that. And those inconsistencies are going to be magnified because of their ability to make good on those opportunities. Um, And so for me, it it really does come down to that Packers game week three. I think that's the biggest challenge for them. I see that as being a huge challenge too. As you mentioned, that defense, that defense is really tough, right? It's a a tough defense. Um, I think that'll be the game where not having Michael Thomas will really show up, right? Yeah, that would be the one. I think that'll be the one in that game. We'll figure out if, if their whatever their alternative plan really worked. Right. Yeah. It, and and the, yeah. And the smart thing for them to do would be to keep the ball on the ground as much as they can, because that the Packers, as well as they get after the quarterback and as well as they cover, it's not the best run defense. And so you would have to take advantage of what is their weakest link. It's not an extremely weak link by any means, but you would have to take advantage of what is the weakest link. And so it would have to be, you know, getting Latavius Murray, it, it would essentially be the, uh, the Chicago bears game from last year and how they ran Latavius Murray, how they utilized him. And I think I like the way that the Saints utilized Latavius Murray the first week to where they leaned on him early in the game, early on in drives to help wear down the front seven. And then they deployed uh, Alvin Kamara in the red zone where he has so much talent scoring in short spaces. That's what he does. And he can, he, you know, he moves, he mobilizes in such a way that it allows him to do that. You could see Alvin Kamara playing with a bit of confidence that that closing almost touchdown on the fourth and two when Sean Payton was really trying to let them know in Tampa Bay what he was about. Uh, you, saw, you saw Alvin Kamara kind of like lighten up a little yeah, bit yeah. and then set up that linebacker and then just burst around him. Like we didn't see that burst from him with the injuries last year. So this is the Alvin Kamara that we were hoping to see from 2017 from in 2018 so far so good in terms of that. Now it's of course just about protecting him and keeping him healthy, but that's going to be the biggest thing. And, and the other thing that the Packers present as a challenge is a challenge to that, the saints offensive line who did mostly well last year, uh, last week, don't get me wrong. You know, even down a starter with Cesar Ruiz, the young rookie coming in from Michigan, but they still played fairly well. There were a couple of things within the interior. Five of the eight pressures came against the interior. Um, two against Easton, two against Eric McCoy, and one against, uh, against Andrews Pete. But outside of that, they played very well. And so you imagine that getting their starting guy back in Cesar Ruiz, which should happen on Monday night. He should get his debut. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as he plays well, he's you know obviously an unknown commodity at the moment as a rookie. But as long as he plays well, then that would be the other part that would need to hold up against we call them the Smith brothers. I know they're not brothers, but Zedarius and Preston Smith, um, the two of them, as well as that interior pass rush that they have in, in particular. Now, another thing that we saw from Elva Kamara, you mentioned, um, you know, you saw his burst return, but we also saw his smile return. Mm-hmm. And I think that matters. Oh, my goodness. Right? He looked like he was having fun, didn't he? <laughs> Man. What, oh, like, my goodness. It did look like he was having fun. He was he's doing all the anime stuff he used to do when Mark Ingram was there, right? And I felt like losing right. Mark Ingram had a bigger impact than people want to talk about. Um, but anyway, uh, him, him being there, right, and you seeing him smiling again, him, him getting things going, do you think we're, we're going to see that th- this whole season a more happy, a more engaged, right, a less sad Elvin Kamara? I think as long as he stays healthy. Yeah. 
I mean, most of the time what you saw last year in terms of his body language and even what his teammates observed in him when it came to body language was due to his injury. Frustrating. You know, it's frustrating when you're a running back that can't run. Like it's or not that can't run, but a running back that is to the point where it's they're hampered to run. You know what I mean? It hurts. And so that that stinks. That's something you really have to deal with. And it's hard to deal with when the things that make you know your career aren't doing what you need them to do. You know what I mean? And so it, it is, you know, kind of a return to form for Alvin Kamara in more ways than just one, because now here he is as somebody that is, you know, has the ability to produce on the ground healthy. And so you're going to see that reflect in his, his attitude and his, his body language and his approach as well. The whole time that they were reviewing that fourth and two potential touchdown, he was like staring at the cameras. And, and I'll say this too, and I know you've heard me talk about this over on Lockdown Saints, but what we saw from this team is that without fans in the stands, it comes down to the bench to generate energy. And we talked about that a bunch before the season started, that that would be a thing. And we saw the inactive players still present. They were in the, uh, they were sitting in the stands and they were like, you know, twirling towels and cheering <laughs> and having fun. You know, Jenkins got the pick six and they all went nuts. You also saw it from the bench itself. That's a big part of what it's going to take teams that like each other will succeed this season. Mm. Teams that like each other will succeed. And, and this is a perfect example uh, of that for the New Orleans Saints. I think that's the other part is that when you don't have any person that's like a star player setting a tone that is unfavorable toward the idea of momentum, then I think you're going to see uh, a lot more success coming from those teams. And so with Alvin Kamara feeling healthy, feeling happy, I think that not only benefits him, it benefits everybody around him as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see it, man. I was, I was happy to see him smiling. I was happy to see him dancing and, mm-hmm. and you know, getting back to that old Evan Kamara, man. I, I love to see that. Let's talk Drew, Drew Brees for a second. Drew Brees, mm-hmm. I know you studied the, the All-22. I know I, I saw the post, right, where you was like, you know, we out here. <laughs> Did, you, you, <laughs> it's my yo. favorite. I don't know why I love that so much, but I do. <laughs> yo, um, you were watching the All-22. You were able to kind of see Drew Brees and see him operating offense admittedly right Sean Payton said this wasn't his best game well he said he mm-hmm. sucked, but he said you know of course it wasn't his best game calling plays Drew Brees it wasn't his best game right um but right. overall um did you see any evidence because we've heard this talked about all offseason improved arm strength he's gonna he's got a new cannon man he's about to unleash that new cannon and then even you mentioned it when he threw the long bomb he was like was that the cannon unleash so the- all right <laughs> <laughs> when you saw when you saw it, right, um, when you looked at the All-22, did you really see evidence of improved arm strength from Drew Brees? That would really be the one, that one pass that traveled about 43 yards, 42 yards in terms of air yards in that game. Uh, that would be the one pass where it was evident. Uh, other than that, because everything was so close to the line of scrimmage and all, they had a couple of shot plays that they didn't end up getting put together. They had some opportunities, but they didn't get there in time, things like that. And the offensive line on a couple of those, those specific plays had some trouble just holding the pass rush for an extended amount of time, a very, very talented front seven in Tampa Bay. Um, So I I think it's tough right now to look at just that first game and make a real assessment on where the arm strength is, but getting the ball downfield 42, 43 yards is more than what we've seen from Drew Brees and, and catching a player in stride that far down the field as well. It's where he didn't have to let up, you know, it didn't turn into an interception, you know, all of that, like we saw against the Philadelphia Eagles years ago. Um, we saw against the Minnesota Vikings in the wild card game, 
I think that that probably is the, uh, that's the only play that you could really look at and make an assessment. So, you know, it, it'll take more time. He'll, he'll have a more advantageous matchup this week. They're rather Monday uh, against a much younger secondary and secondary pieces that he's familiar with, with Eric Harris having been a former saint uh, at the safety position. So I think that that will help um, Damon Arnett, who is the, uh, who was the first round rookie that was drafted by the uh, Las Vegas Raiders gave up a perfect passer rating last week to Teddy Bridgewater and the, uh, the Carolina Panthers, 158.3 passer rating over hundred yards and a touchdown. And that is a, that offense in, in, in Carolina is basically like a Sean Payton junior offense being implemented by Joe Brady, who was the offensive assistant in new Orleans took ideas from that system to LSU had a fantastic season as their offensive assistant under Joe in, uh, under Insminger, Steven Insminger, who was the actual person implementing the offense but now he's offensive coordinator Joe Brady in, uh, in Carolina. So you see elements of the New Orleans Saints offense at kind of a junior level being instituted there with Teddy Bridgewater, who also famously doesn't, like, doesn't necessarily push the ball down the field. You know? And so I think that what you saw against the Las Vegas Raiders last week would be something that you'll see similar this week for the New Orleans Saints. So I, I assume you're going to see opportunities for them to get shots. Also, since Drew Brees came into the league in 2003, no one's thrown for more Monday night yardage, Monday night completions, and Monday night touchdowns than him. You know what I mean? And so he's also under the lights. He's in an advantageous situation, and he's, you know, favored on the road against an AFC team, which also tends to be something that uh, works out in his favor as well. So I, I think we'll have a better assessment of it maybe after this week, but certainly over the first couple of games. But then you have to see if he does have the improved arm strength, can he retain it over the course of a 16 game season and then into ideally a deep playoff run? Very true. Um, but like I said, we talked about them having a poor offensive showing. What do you think? Well, it, it's funny to say a poor offensive showing when they put up so many points, right? And they did so well, mostly because right. of the defense, but they did well point wise. Um, but, you know, to, to, to the standard of that offense, it wasn't the, the greatest. What do you think was the reason behind that? Well, I, I will say that even if you take away the pick six, right, you take away the pick six and the extra point that corresponded with that, that would be 27 points by the Saints offense. Uh, and the, the Saints offense over the last six years in the first game averaged 29.3 points per game. So they weren't far off where they usually are in an opening game. We've had a couple of 19-point games, things like that. The other thing that I want to point out, too, is that the Saints started the majority of their drives, I believe it's 8 of 13, at their own 35 or better during that game special teams such a huge part of that the hidden yardage game so if you just take that right you just take eight drives and let's just for the sake of the conversation even though they had three that started in tampa bay territory let's just say they started all eight of those drives at the 35 yard line as opposed to a touchback which would be the 25 yard line which by the way tampa bay never started better than the 25 yard line in this game and if you're going to win a game you might try starting at the, at least the 28 every now and then but they started at 25 <laughs> every time or or back um so if you just take that average of 10 yards over those eight drives, that's an additional 80 yards that Drew Brees didn't have to gain. And if he did, and if those yards were available to him and he did have to pick those up, then all of a sudden his numbers go from 160 yards to 240 yards. And we're probably having a different conversation about this offense. So I also want to point out that this offense didn't have to cook the way that we've seen in the past, but there's no denying that it was off a little bit. Timings were off. Communication seemed a little bit off, things like that. So I think that the Saints will get that fixed over time. They will settle in. We have to remember that there was no 
you know, usually we get Drew Brees for, you know, the first half of the third preseason game, things like that. The offense gets a lot more reps throughout with whatever quarterback and you have way more than three weeks to get ready for the season. I think that's something that people aren't really considering too, is that you usually have three weeks of training camp and then a week of practice preseason, 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 a week of practice week one. This year you had three weeks of training camp week one, like, or practice week one. That was it. They had four weeks to get ready. So I think that's the other thing is like, when you look at any of those teams, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that were slow coming out of the gate, particularly over on the offensive side, there's a reason for that. You know, even when you look at the, the, the strike year back in 2011, getting started with that season, they didn't start training camp until late July, but they still had preseason throughout that throughout all of that. And they started free agency late, all that other stuff. And so because they started free agency late, the Saints really relied more so on the players who were already in the building and retaining their own free agents as opposed to bringing in new free agents. So there was less new pieces of communication, less new synapses that needed to be connected and firing. And instead, they were able to focus in on what they already knew as a unit together over the course of those couple of weeks and then implement it over the preseason and then have a week of practice and then start the regular season. That wasn't the case this time. You had brand new top free agents coming in Mm. and you didn't have a preseason. And so I think that all of that sort of compounds into the performances that we saw across the NFL, even on the defensive side, lack of tackling for the most part across the NFL as well, which we saw was pretty evident in some cases that that all has to do with that. And I think that all of that will settle in as teams get more reps together. Man, I don't want to talk about this, but it seems like every time we talk, we have to talk about it at least a little bit. Life after uh-huh. Breeze. Life after Breeze is something oh, yeah. we, we must address. I don't know why. I don't want to do it, but we have to. It feels like it. Um, based on what you're hearing, based on what you're seeing, right, um, where do you think the Saints go after? Well, it, who who knows when it's time, yeah, right? Yeah, who knows yeah. when it's time? It may right, be time right, now. Right. Right. Um, but, <laughs> but after this season, if it is indeed time, what do you think the Saints go from here? Uh, it's such a tough choice, man. It's just, I, I'm actually somebody that loves talking about life after Drew Brees because it's exciting. It's not that I want to get rid of Drew Brees. It's not like I'm not ready for like Drew Brees to win another Super Bowl or anything like that. Like, it's not about that. It's just simply that like, it's exciting that that is around the corner and that that is something that, you know, we're going to see a whole potential – it doesn't matter who takes over after Drew Brees. We're going to see a big old change in this offense because either right now, the most likely two options are a mobile quarterback in Taysom Hill. You saw Sean Payton go out there and run Wildcat last weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, they love that. And, and so, you know, you're going to see a mobile offense, a mobile quarterback offense, or you're going to see, you know, uh, shots downfield more, a more exciting brand of play with Jameis Winston. I think both are exciting, but more exciting than what we see with sort of like the more meticulous surgical play of Drew Brees, which is exciting to Saints fans because that's what we've grown to love at this point about the game is how surgical, how precise, how pinpoint he can be as a passer. But in terms of the overall spectrum of the NFL and fans across the NFL, either one of those other options is very exciting. And I tend to believe the same way because I'm just as much a fan of the game as I am a fan of this individual team. And so I think that for the Saints, the best option for them is to get as many looks as, at Taysom Hill as a passer as they can throughout the season. We already saw him do the, the you know, they did the double pass, the backwards pass and everything like they were in the XFL or something and, <laughs> you know, pulled that off to perfection uh, to Alvin Kamara down the field, 36, 38 yards, something like that. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, 
And that was a, that was a great throw by Taysom. So they're going to try to get as many looks as they can with Taysom. But the thing that I think is that when it comes down to getting looks at Jameis Winston, do that in the facility. Don't let anybody else in the NFL see Jameis Winston. That way you have no competition for him by the end of the year. The market is lower. And then you get to bring him back on a team-friendly deal should you choose. Whether you want him to come back as your backup or you want him to come back as your starter or you just want him to come back to compete over training camp. I think that's really where the things might be leaning. Um, and I think that the, 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 the – I think for me, the choice is probably going to change every quarter of the season. You know, because the more that we get to see Taysom Hill throw the ball, the more excited you get about Taysom Hill if it goes well. But then if things don't go necessarily well or we see a dip in that production, then you get a little bit more excited about Jameis Winston, even though you haven't put your (laughs) eyes on him. You know what I mean? Or you're going to hear good things about Jameis Winston because obviously the team is going to say good things about Jameis Winston. But also he has been performing well. Like we saw throws in, in, in training camp that we haven't seen you know, from a New Orleans quarterback in years, <laughs> you know, like he's just different. You're he's so just careful, different. Man. Like that ball so velocity, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and so I, 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 for one, I'm extremely excited about Jameis Winston. And I love the idea of Jameis Winston as the next quarterback, franchise quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. Should the coaching staff feel that he has addressed and improved in the areas that he himself, Jameis Winston, has said, this is what I need to address and this is where I need to improve. He has been very open with media in terms of talking about where he needs to get better. He has been very open with the coaches in terms of what he wants to do, all of that stuff. So I think that all of that is a really, really good scenario for the Saints. Going into next season and everything, they're set up. They can go either which way they want. They can go with Taysom, they can go with Jameis, they can go with a rookie, they can go with a free agent if they want to. Like, they'll figure something out. I hope they don't go with a rookie. Um, I'd rather them go with somebody that's going to keep them. You know, they've got Alvin Kamara. They've got Michael Thomas. They have Ryan Ramchick next year, Marshall Lattimore next year. These other very talented, this, this offensive line is locked down for a while. Get somebody that's going to keep you competitive after Drew Brees for the immediate future. And, and so that's why I lean toward the guys that are familiar with the system and guys that are familiar with the NFL more than anything else. So I, I'm sorry that I can't really answer like where exactly this thing are going to go, but there's benefit in, all of the options that they have at the moment, I would say probably outside of a rookie quarterback. So this is, this is my last one, but it's a little tricky. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Right. I feel like this. This is, this is the I feel question. This isn't like, you know, I've heard something, but I feel something, right? Um, yeah. You heard over the course of the offseason, there was this little press release, right? Maybe a little article about um, Taysom Hill saying, I want to be a quarterback. Either it'll happen here or it'll help it happen somewhere else. Right. So mm-hmm. and then, you know, everything gets squashed when they give him a contract and everything's all great. We're, we're lovely, lovely again. Right. But let's just say Drew Brees does leave. Right. And they make Jameis Winston their starting quarterback. Does Taysom take that well and continue to flourish in his current role with, you know, under, you know, Jameis Winston being the starting quarterback? Or do we hear a bit of a fuss? There's some drama and we lose Taysom Hill somehow. $16 million, he better take it well. <laughs> My man is getting paid next year. <laughs> My man got paid. No, I, it's a good question. It's a good question. And, you know, Taysom, look, if Taysom's going to get paid that amount of money or whatever it is that he's owed next season, 
um, which is a, a considerable amount of money uh, or a good amount of money. If they're, if, if he's going to take that money, like he's going to get that money to play that Swiss army knife role at 30, 31 years old, he's going to take that money and he's going to play that role. And look, here's the thing too, is that so far, I don't know that there is another team out there that says, yes, Taysom, you can be our starting quarterback. I don't know where any team would, would do that because you're talking about a guy that now has 14 career passes. Uh, he threw six last year, threw seven the year before, completed three last year. He completed the big one this year so far. I, I don't know that there's enough out there for any team to say, come over here and we'll make you our starting quarterback. Hmm. So if, he's, if he feels like there's greener pastures elsewhere, I'd be interested to know where those greener pastures actually are. Because you look at the other teams around the NFL, by next year, they probably have the quarterback that they're waiting for. You know, Jacksonville will probably have Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, Justin Fields will be in the NFL. Trey Lance will be in the NFL. They're, these teams will have options the ones that are going to finish low because they don't have the quarterback that they need, they'll have options. And so I don't know where Taysom Hill ends up to say, I'm going to be the starting quarterback over here instead of playing this gadget role in New Orleans. Now he's on contract next year with New Orleans, so he's not going anywhere. It would more so be like the 2022 season where he could potentially go somewhere else. But that's what might be one of the reasons why the saints traded back into the draft to take Tommy Stevens this year, the undrafted free, or excuse me, the nearly undrafted free agent rookie quarterback who, you know, caught uh, over 10, I can't remember, double digit passes when he was with Penn State and then did a little bit of that work in Mississippi State as well. So they already have kind of a Taysom clone in the, in the locker room on the practice squad right now, waiting in the wings should Taysom say, this isn't what I want to do. You know what I mean? And so, and, and also like, yes, of course, Taysom Hill is going to say, I want to be a starting quarterback in the NFL and hopefully it'll happen for me somewhere because even Sean Payton said, yeah, we want him. We think he'll be a good starting quarterback here in the NFL, whether it's here or elsewhere. Some, you know, he deserves the opportunity. Of course he's going to say that, but if, if the options are no team or have this Swiss army knife role, this offensive weapon role that has made you a household name across the NFL in new Orleans, then I think you choose New Orleans. And, and along with that, if the option is have this offensive weapon role that you help that has been developed specifically for you in New Orleans or have this offensive weapon role somebody, somewhere else that's going to try to shoehorn you into their offense, New Orleans is still the more advantageous for him, your advantageous place for him to be. Absolutely. Yo, um, man, thank you so much. We appreciate you for coming on. Always, Ross. Absolutely, man. Always, man. Let's talk about um, what's going on over at um, Locked On Saints. Bro, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a faithful listener myself. And if you're out there and you're a Saints Appreciate fan, you want that great information about the Saints, Locked On Saints, man, that's where you need to go. That Locked On Saints podcast is where you need to be for sure. Um, but you're, you have other roles at Locked On um, Network now. Um, you have other roles there. And then you have um, great roles with Canal Street Chronicles. What's going on with Ross, man? Talk to us about it. And, and then how can we continue to follow your story? Oh, man, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, the easiest way to follow along with everything that's going on is uh, on Twitter. It's probably where I'm most active, uh, at Ross Jackson NOLA, uh, N-O-L-A, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, the, the role with Locked On is really cool, man. Um, you know, I started with Locked On just over two years ago, and that came about because I was doing a solo podcast with what's now Section 600, used to be All Saints Considered. We had a team podcast, 
but we wanted to get more content out. So I started a solo podcast called Single High Safety. And I did maybe like three episodes of that, like by myself. And then I had an email in my inbox from David Locke from the Lockdown Podcast Network. And he was like, hey, I've heard your show. Uh, would you be interested in hosting a daily five, you know, five day a week, Monday through Friday show on the New Orleans Saints? And the first thing I thought to myself was like, can I fill that? You know, can I do a daily show 30 minutes every day or less than 30 minutes every day? Because we try to keep them consumable um, all season, all off season, like without taking any time off. Can I do that? five days a week, just covering one team. And then I remembered it's the New Orleans Saints. Like there's never a shortage of, of news when it comes to New Orleans. Like the Saints are so active all the time or they're in, and, and that is, you know, within the NFL scheme, but it's also like all the incredible off-field work that so many of these players do. Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, Emmanuel Sanders, Malcolm Jenkins now, even Drew Brees. Like you're seeing, there's so much to talk about even off the field for this team that I thought, you know what, maybe I can do it. So I jumped on, man. And uh, I just hit two seasons or, you know, I, I had completed two seasons doing it. And I did it. I joined right before the, uh, the uh, Marcus Davenport trade up. That's always my benchmark <laughs> for the timeline. Uh, and then, you know, so I'm going into my third season with them now. And in the midst of doing that, I got this really nice opportunity to become the uh, coordinator for the NFL and college networks. So we have every single NFL team covered as well as four national shows within the NFL. So about 35, 36 shows just on the NFL side. And then we have roughly the same amount over in college as well, including like Locked On College Football, which is Monday through Friday, a collection of all of our hosts or a collection of nine of our hosts that cover the team every single day. Uh, And then we have like Locked On Big Ten, a couple of conference shows as well. So I supervise and facilitate all of those shows to make sure that things like show design, ad reads, all that stuff are happening properly and that the hosts have all of the materials and all of the, the, the resources that they need to do their job at the best of their abilities. And I love that because inherently, like more than anything else in my heart, I'm a facilitator. That's what I do. I like to help people achieve what it is that they want to achieve. That's something I'm, I'm very passionate about. And that role gives me the opportunity to do that. So I've had such a blast doing that, working a little bit close, more closely with the top of the network and everything. Um, and then I also picked up a Tuesday show with Locked On NFL. And so the national show, myself and Luke Braun, who's hosts the Locked On Vikings, he and I cover on Tuesdays. And then we have pairs Tuesday through Thursday. And Peter Bukowski takes over on Monday to do sort of lo- local experts on the biggest stories. So he brings in hosts from all around the network to talk about the biggest stories coming out of the weekend. And so that's such a fun opportunity to have as well. Um, and so I'm grateful, man, like to have, to have that family, that locked on family that has invested so much in me and I'll put me in a position to where I can invest as much of myself into it as possible. And then with Canal Street Chronicles, you know, Christopher Donald's over there gave me the opportunity to go and write and also be an editor, uh, with, with them, the SB nation blog. And that's been a ton of fun. You know, we're represented now too. Like we're in the zoom calls, we're in the interviews, like we're asking questions and everything. And so it's cool to be able to get, be in a position now to where I'm not just writing off of other people's information. I'm writing off of questions that we're asking. Um, you know, it's a little bit more inside. It's a little bit more, uh, I don't want to call it insider cause I'm not getting insider information. I'm not breaking news out here, but it gives us a more access to actually be able to figure out what it is that people want to hear about and then ask those questions in press conferences to get those answers and then put that information out there for our, our listenership and our readership and everything. So it's a lot of fun opportunities, man. And I'm just grateful for it. Like as the journey continues. No, and I, I saw that, I saw where you're now in the rooms, 
right? And that's kind of what I've been mm-hmm. I'm hoping for. I know, like, as a, as a fan of the show, you just want to see your podcast, the podcast you listen to and love, you want to see it continue to grow, right? right? And continue to make great moves. Um, one of the things that I saw is that you said it on the podcast, we're now in those rooms, and we're able to ask, ask our right. questions and bring you the information. Plus, you also said this, I thought it was cool, right? And I'm, I'm telling y'all this kind of extra stuff, man, so y'all can go and check this out. So, <laughs> um, so you told us also, right, as listeners, you basically said, hey, look, we're not going to become a news reporting you know um podcast right. we right. want to still get into that those extra stats like you dropped the stat earlier by drew Brees in a monday night right like that's a right. that's a locked on saints like type of you know we deep down in it's, it's those nerd dives in the football that we take right on right. a consistent basis man it's so awesome you go deep with the information you go deep with with your knowledge of the saints and your analysis and i always think that's amazing man and so i appreciate we'll it out man. Absolutely. I'm just telling the truth. That's all I do here. But listen, <laughs> but listen, go out there, check out the um check out the podcast. Go follow Ross Jackson um on Twitter. He's very active, always dropping something funny or something super informative. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people, I always tell people like come for come for the Saints, come for the Saints talk, but stay for the memes, man. Absolutely, bro. I stay cutting up. <laughs> So check him out. Um, and listen, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate all the people who hopped in um, to, to this live session and listened in. Feel free to, to drop questions, stuff like that. Feel free to also find the Locked On Saints um, Facebook group, right? You have a Facebook group where you're oh, active yeah, in there as yeah, well? Yeah. So, um, so find that Facebook mm-hmm. group um, and you'll, you'll get direct access, right? He sometimes, you know, puts out questions. I have discussions in the Locked On Saints Facebook group. So go ahead and do that. I'm a member yeah. there as well, man. It's fun and over we do- there. Yeah, and we do mailbags every Wednesday too. To where you know I'll, I'll drop a I'll drop a line in there, and you can reply, ask me questions about you know what you want to hear about, and I you know I'll take Saints questions, I'll take not Saints questions too. You know what I mean? I like to have fun with it to make sure that people like know who I am as opposed to just like what the hell I'm there to talk about. Um, everything. So I really like you know the, the personal stuff that you know we can talk about in terms of like the human nature of all of it too. And so you know we, we do those every Wednesday, and so I always uh, rely on the uh, Facebook group heavy for those questions. And then you hear those questions answered on the show. Big facts. So hey, if you want to get that inside information, go ahead check him out, man. He's not he's not dropping the sauces, um, but he, he out there. <laughs> he he's out there, no, man. <laughs> There are, much, there are people that are much better for that than I am, man. Like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just here to talk about the game and, uh, and break – like when the sauces come out and you get the information, I'm the guy that's ready to say, I have an opinion about that. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. that, that's what it's all about. And we love the sauces, guys. <laughs> or too, I have man. a stat. I have a stat about that. Like Janoris Jenkins picked that, picked that baby off and brought it back for a touchdown, and I was like, all right, here we go. I get my nerd glasses on right quick because I got mad stats for y'all. Talk to me, man. <laughs> Yo, thank y'all so much for joining us. We truly appreciate you. Those people who are out there in the live, we love you and we thank you as well for joining us. Um, and like I said, go ahead and follow him. We will see you all again whenever we do these. Look, if you want, you want, you don't know when we're going to do these. You really don't, right? So go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and hop in our Facebook group and you'll see it whenever it happens. Um, God bless you. You can subscribe to our podcast network and you'll hear this audio, or you'll hear the audio version of this there. Um, follow us on YouTube and you'll see the video version of it there. God bless y'all. We love y'all. Have a good one. This time it ain't a game, yeah. MJ with the six rings, yeah. Y'all better switch out your plays, yeah. On five with the low flame, yeah. This time it ain't a game, yeah. LeBron James coming through the lane, yeah. Y'all better switch out your plays, yeah. On five with the low flame, yeah. This time it ain't a game, yeah. I'm MJ with the six rings, yeah. Y'all better switch out your plays, yeah. On five with the low flame, yeah. This time it ain't a game, yeah. LeBron James coming through the lane.
best without your blaze, yeah. On fire with the little flame. Yeah. Cold says my time, yeah, the game on the